Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your happy host, Madeline Carafa, self-proclaimed health enthusiast and full-time hustler. Through storytelling, I combined health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of some of the most influential and inspiring hustlers. Whether you're looking for an engaging and easy to digest pep talk or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals, the Healthy Hustlers podcast is your go-to for kicking butt in work and play. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last episode for season two. I'm so excited to bring you today's guest. She's one of my favorite people to follow online due to her no BS approach to health and fitness. She's a renowned Australian media dietitian, nutritionist, and sports dietitian, and is known to most as the fitness dietitian on Instagram. Leanne has a passion for living a balanced, healthy, and active life. She specializes in coaching career-driven women to conquer emotional eating, heal their gut, and stay lean for life. Leanne Ward has nearly 10 years of experience in the nutrition industry. She has dedicated her career to helping women find peace, happiness, and sustainability with their body, their health, and their lifestyles. I had the pleasure of working with Leanne back in August, and I absolutely fell in love with everything she says and talks about. Her philosophy is amazing and I know you guys will get so much out of this episode. Happy listening and happy new year. See you all in 2020. This episode of The Healthy Hustlers is proudly brought to you by Calming Blankets. Not just an ordinary blanket, Calming Blankets is Australia's favourite weighted blanket for improving sleep and reducing stress. Hi, Leanne, and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on and for um, being so patient with me, juggling this around my mum life at the moment. It's all a bit crazy, so I really appreciate your patience. Of course, that time of year as well, everything's crazy busy, isn't it? Oh, I know, it's mental. So you're actually my last guest for 2019, which I'm so excited about because you were a guest speaker at our live podcast event that I did with Georgie Stevenson in Brisbane. And I just absolutely love everything that you're about and everything that you speak about. So I really wanted to get you on the show to talk about similar things that we did at the event, but really bring it to the wider audience because I think there's some really important topics and I just absolutely love your approach to health. So something I usually start with is asking my guests something about them or their life, something fun or quirky that most people might not necessarily know. So is there anything about you that maybe only your partner knows or your close friends? Probably not. I'm pretty much an open book. Like a lot of people say, oh, you know, you're a dietitian, you wouldn't eat this or you're a nutritionist, you wouldn't do that. I'm like, nope, you'll pretty much catch me eating pizza and drinking wine on a Friday night. Like that's something that I just love doing. So I think people are just surprised at how, I guess, like human I am sometimes. (laughs) Yes. I think that's so beautiful though. Like you say, people kind of associate things based on your job title or, you know, your role. So it's nice to hear that. (laughs) Now, I did want to get a little bit of background about you. So can you take us back to, you know, your childhood growing up, what kind of kid you were and then how you got into your field? 
I've always had a very healthy um, lifestyle. I guess my mum was very healthy growing up. Um, she, you know, had her herb gardens and she would grew vegetables as kids and she was always making things from scratch. You know, she was the type of lady that um, would go to the farmer's markets and buy like massive boxes of peaches just after Christmas that were ripe and nobody would buy. She'd bring them home, she'd turn them into jam and then she'd give all, you know, the family members jam, that sort of thing. So, you Love know, she used to make her own tomato sauce, that sort of thing. So it was always a large emphasis on nutrition. Um, she had us in the kitchen cooking from a young age. I remember, I think it was when my brother was about 10, like he could make, I think, fried rice, stir-fried noodles and an omelette at like nine oh or 10 years my old. And goodness. <laughs> family members were just amazed. And my mum's always had this huge emphasis on home-cooked meals. It was like, well, if you kids want fish and chips or you want burgers, that's okay. We can have that, but we're going to make it ourselves. So she always found like a healthy alternative. Yeah. So that was sort of what sparked my interest in nutrition to begin with. And I guess when I was at school, sort of trying to decide my pathway, it was always something to do with health. I think I always just wanted to help people. So I considered physiotherapy, being a doctor or um, nutrition and dietetics. And I think what led me down the nutrition dietetic pathway was that you can heal completely using food or you can completely use food to nourish your body and actually completely reverse certain conditions as well. And I just love the power of food and I just feel like so many people underestimate the power of good nutrition, but it also doesn't have to be perfect all of the time. Because when I was, I'd say in my young 20s, late teens, young 20s going through university, I sort of over-restricted everything at eight. I did a ton of exercise. I would only eat, you know, an in inverted commas clean. And then on the weekends, I would sort of like blow out because I'd been so strict during the week. So for me these days, it's all about balance. And that's really what I strive through my Instagram, my social media, and my own podcast is to teach people that balance, that you don't need to be perfect with your lifestyle. You can have a slice of pizza and balance it out with some salad. Um, there is room for that in a healthy lifestyle long-term as well. And you're not going to compromise your health or get diseases or anything like that. There's a lot of sort of fear mongering on social media as well. So that's sort of a real purpose of mine. I guess my journey with um, nutrition and dietetics is to show people that balance with their life as well. I love that you talk about that balance because I think so many people get caught up in having to do it perfect. And I know I used to be a lot like that when I first started on, you know, really investing in my health was like, oh my goodness, like I've eaten some chocolate today. Like it's all over. And it's just, it's being so cruel to ourselves. Like we're allowed to enjoy the good parts of life as well. And, you know, it doesn't mean that we've thrown it all away just because we've yeah had that slice of pizza or, or that food. So you did mention your social media. Um, that's a big part of your business is your your social media account and your podcast. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you transitioned into this and I guess made it out to what it is today? I started off, to give you a bit of a background, I did an um, undergraduate. So I did a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. And then I went and I worked as a community nutritionist out in the country in a little country town called Charleville um, up here in Queensland. And I worked out there for, I think, about a year and a half, went back and did my master's in dietetics at UQ. And then after I graduated from that, I was fortunate enough to get what they call a clinical dietetic job. So a job at a Brisbane-based hospital. And I love that job. Like I have such fond memories of working as a hospital-based dietitian. And I guess the dream for me was to work in gastroenterology. So to be basically a gut health dietitian. So when I was in my young twenties, went to Bali, like most Australians yeah. did and got <laughs> terrible Bali belly. And my gut for, you know, three, four, five years was absolutely terrible. And I think that was what sort of 
led down that path of overly restricted for me because I was just so fearful of eating anything that it would set off my gut symptoms. So for me, my passion was very much around A, helping uh, women in particular find balance with their healthy lifestyle and B, learning to deal with their gut symptoms without having to go on these crazy you know, exclusion diets and buy all of these expensive supplements and that sort of thing. So I landed my dream job at the hospital um, as a gastro dietitian and spent I think nearly six years at the hospital working there. And at the beginning of this year, took the jump. Well, I guess um, to give you a bit of a background on my hospital journey as well, I sort of only started part-time and clinical dietetics is a very competitive field. So I was like, well, I'm so fortunate to pick up this part-time contract. It's not going to last. I'm going to do something on the side. So I've got some clientele just in case that job sort of dries up. I actually started with Facebook and then transitioned over to Instagram and just started putting up yeah, yeah, uh, like free recipes, that sort of thing. And it grew from there. Then I thought, okay, recipes are great. Maybe I could give away some sort of educational content. So in the hospitals, I was working with more, you know, critically ill patients. I did some of the surgical roles, ICU, that sort of thing. But I was like, I still want to help people who are, you know, who are well as well, but that could just get maybe five or 10% more out of their health as well. So I was sort of working with the iller people in the hospital, but then hopefully building up this social media profile while I was working with I guess what you called weller people to just encourage them to make really positive lifestyle changes as well. So I sort of felt like I had the best of both worlds. You know, I was helping those who really needed help who were critically unwell, but then also those who, you know, didn't really have any diseases or anything wrong with them, but still wanted to, you know, improve their health as well. I did that for about five, six years and I absolutely loved that job, but it got to the point where I had a large following and I decided to do a podcast. I've got a group program. I do coaching and I just couldn't physically do both. Like I was doing seven days a week. I was up answering DMs at like one in the morning and going to the hospital at like 7am and I was like, what am I doing with my life? And I just saw this social media reach, this worldwide impact that I could have was too much of an opportunity to turn down. So although I loved my hospital job, um, I jump ship at the beginning of this year. So I've been in my own business for about, oh, I don't even know, what is it, December now, maybe about nine, 10 months now. And it's just been such a steep learning curve, but it's been amazing. It's been so good. I've been trying a little bit of everything, uh, but just my main message is to still be a nutritionist and a dietitian, but more within the media and trying to just put out really great evidence-based and balanced messages to encourage people to just do that, you know, what I call 10% better with the health journey. That's very much my mantra is just give 10% better every day. Yeah, I love that so much. And it's so empowering as well because it's not like, okay, drop everything and change it now. It's like Mm. just slow improvements are just as powerful along the way. So, And I know that's something going back to your work, like hats off to you. I do not know how you did that. Like that is so (laughs) crazy to think that you would just go, go, go. And I know that's something you and Georgie have really connected over. You've had quite a similar path. But I think it's just so nice to hear that if you really want something and you work hard for it, like the results will come. And it's, you know, just a testament to what you're doing now and and really thriving in your business and being able to reach people on a, on a larger scale. So something I do really want to talk to you about is, I guess, what do you find as the major building blocks for our health? I think it starts with good nutrition and whether whether you're unwell, whether you've got absolutely nothing wrong with you, I think everybody can benefit from good nourishing nutrition. And I think it starts with whole foods. Like so many people say, you know, you're so healthy all year long. What do you do? What diet do you follow? And I know that there's a huge drive on social media at the moment to not diet, but I think that confuses people as well. Like they think, oh, well, if I don't diet and I want to lose weight or I want to improve my health, what am I going to do? And for most people, I say, you know, it starts with, it starts with whole foods. It starts with getting rid of high 
highly refined and processed foods from your diet the majority of the time and just eating more fruits and veggies. Like if you just looked at the statistics in Australia, 96% of people do not eat enough vegetables. Like that's a crazy statistic. And if you went and saw a dietitian, they would say to like 95% of people eat more vegetables and people are like, oh no, that's crap. I don't want to hear that. That's, you know, that's so basic, but it's like, basic is what the majority of people need. Like just start by adding more fruits and veggies to your meals, cutting down on the amount of processed foods that you eat, even the amount of takeaways, eating out restaurants, cafes, that sort of thing that people do week to week. Um, Even if you just reduce that and cooked a little bit more fresh whole foods at home a few days a week, you know, you'd save yourself some money, you'd save your health. It's not just that you can't do those things, but I think people forget how eating out can impact their health as well. Not just from a budget point of view, but you're just not sure what goes into your food. And, you know, chefs love throwing in extra butter and oil and all that sort of wonderful things to make our food taste really good. But if you've got a particular health goal that you're working towards, you know, eating out multiple times a week, getting Uber Eats, going out drinking with you, you know, girlfriends, that sort of thing can have an impact on your health long-term if that's something that you're going to do week to week. So I think bring it back to basics for most people. If they just ate more fruits and veggies and more whole foods as a starting point, irrespective of any crazy diet that they want to do, they'd be in a better place. Amen to that. Seriously, like I'm (laughs) such a believer in food as medicine. And, you know, I think that's just why I love what you do so much because we overcomplicate things so much and we think that healthy eating has to be complicated or there's this crazy solution out there to it. But it's so simple and it's right in front of us and it's just being so much more aware of what we're putting in our body. I know personally, as soon as I became more aware of like preservatives and stuff in food, it's just there's so much in every single thing that we consume. And even at that point, I was thinking I was eating quite healthy. But now I'm like, oh, okay, I probably wasn't eating as well as I could because I just wasn't aware. I wasn't giving myself the time to be aware of what was actually going into my body. 100%. I think for a lot of people, it does come down to awareness. And I always say to my clients, like so many people actually have no idea how a well-nourished body feels. And I think that's the saddest part because if you don't know how wonderful you could feel, you don't really have anything to work towards. And I like to always think like my example is whenever I get back from holidays, I'm almost just craving cooking my own food and adding in more veggies and that sort of thing. Not to say that I completely blow my, you know, healthy eating regime when I'm on holidays. It's just I'm eating foods that, you know, I haven't cooked myself, that sort of thing. I just, I'm obviously craving the nourishment of good fruits and veggies. And I think like your body just calls out for it once you've had it and it sort of realizes how a well-nourished body can feel and function. And I think for a lot of people, you know, they they start their health journey. They say, oh, I feel so good. I feel wonderful. But they try and change so many things at once. And then what happens is life gets in the way, things get busy, they fall off track and they revert right back to their old habits because they tried to change everything at once. So I guess my mantra around that 10% better is to change one thing at a time, slowly, slowly, slowly. And then when that thing becomes something that's just ingrained in you and you do it day in and day out, then change something else and change something else. And it might take you 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. It might take you three to five years, but at least you're, you know, you're up here when you finish right other than you just keep starting a new diet and failing and starting a new diet and failing and end up yo-yo dieting. And three to five years later, you're right back where you started beating yourself up and thinking that you failed, but you didn't fail. It was the diet that failed you. You just tried to change too many things at once and life is busy and it's crazy and people don't have much time. And that's completely understandable. So that's where my whole mantra of 10% better comes from. It just 
aim for 10% better every day and keep working on that one thing every single day. Like start with vegetables, just adding in more veggies. Then you might do, all right, I'm going to aim for two gym sessions a week. You know, people go, oh, I'm going to get super healthy. First of January, I'm going to do this. This is the last time. (laughs) I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week. You know, and it lasts maybe three weeks, maybe four weeks. And they're like, oh, geez, seven days is really hard. You know, next week, I'm just going to go five. And then the next week, it's all over. You know, they throw on the towel, it's too hard, they've given up and they go back to their old habits. So what you've got to do is change your baseline first. We talk about those those pillars of health. It starts with your baseline. So take a really good look at how are you sleeping? How are your stress levels? What types of foods you're eating? How often are you eating out? And pick one of those pillars and just work on that rather than trying to change everything. People are like, I'm going to do this crazy juicing cleanse diet and I'm going to get <laughs> nine hours sleep a night. I'm going to gym seven days a week and I'm only going to buy organic food and I'm never going to eat out. And I'm like, how long is that going to last before you just throw on the towel and revert back to your old habits? So, And you start looking at everyone that's not doing that and you're like, oh, I kind of miss that. Or you get so down on yourself when you slip up. So yeah, I love that. I always call refer to mine as like healthy habits. I so believe that health is a journey. Like you can always be implementing new things and doing new things. So I really, really love that you touch on that and talk about doing it slowly because it doesn't have to all be at once at all. Like, you know, like we keep saying, but I think, yeah, just injecting those little healthy habits one at a time, they become a habit, they become routine, and then you move on to the next. Exactly. Rather than trying to change everything at once, fail and go back to your old baseline. You've got to create a new baseline. And that's where I think a lot of people go wrong. They want change and they want it quick. You know, we live in this world where we get instant gratification. We want to go on a date. We jump on Tinder. We want to know something. We (laughs) Google it. We, you know, we want to get dinner. We order Uber Eats and it's at our doorstep in 20 minutes. So we live in this world where we get things instantly and our health and our weight loss journey is exactly the same. But we just need to slow down, take a deep breath and realize that you know, Rome wasn't built in a day for lack of a better example. Definitely. And just really plan out what are my goals for the next 12 months? How am I going to get there? Rather than this is another eight week challenge that I can sign up to, or this is another 12 week thing, or this is, you know, think about it. Where am I going to be in five years time Mm. rather than I'm going to do this for eight weeks and, you know, I'm going to do this gym challenge. I'm going to cut all these things out and I'm going to get my progress photos and look amazing. And then I'm going to revert back to my old habits because it's too hard once it's over. So really think about it long-term, which I think a lot of people just don't do. They have these short-term things in front of them, like I want to lose weight for a wedding or I want to lose weight for my birthday or to go on this overseas trip to Europe. Mm-hmm. And then that happens and they've got nothing more to work towards. Definitely, It's just not sustainable at all. So I love that you talk about yeah whole foods and nutrition as, as one of the main building blocks. Is there anything else that you would consider as, I guess, one of the fundamental building blocks for good health? Mm, I definitely think sleep. And I think particularly like in 2019, it's so underrated. Like we almost, and this was me literally before I left the hospital was like, yeah, five, six hours of sleep. I'm fine. Like I'd rock up to the hospital in the morning and be like, oh, I'm so exhausted, but wear it like a badger on it. As I think a lot of like entrepreneurs do, like it's like hustle grind, hustle grind. I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of thing. But it's like, you know, you have no idea how much sleep actually impacts everything from your gut health, right down to even just simple weight loss strategies. Like if you're running off four, five, six hours sleep a night. How do you think you're going to get up and like smash the gym the next morning? Or, you know, even when you're tired and you just don't feel like doing anything, it's really difficult to even make really healthy choices as well. Because when you're sleep deprived or when you're just constantly feeling tired, you look for foods that are going to give you those quick sugar hit, the quick pick-me-ups. And a lot of people find that, you know, they have those big energy dips um, around like 3 or 4 p.m., like that sort of mid-afternoon slump. And they look for those quick sugar foods to pick them back up again, a bit more coffee, that sort of thing. And you end up getting caught 
caught in this vicious cycle where you're drinking too much coffee to keep you awake, you're eating too much sugar to keep you awake, and then your body just wants and craves more and more and more of it. So even just getting seven hours minimum a night sleep, um, up to eight or nine hours, you know, it depends from about seven to nine hours is sort of the gold standard and actually aiming to get that every single night. So it means that you can't get up and do your 5am gym sesh because you actually need an extra hour sleep. That is actually more beneficial to your health journey long term than Mm. it would be to just get up and smash the gym that day and say that you did it. And I think that's where a lot of the times people go a little bit wrong. They prioritize something over they think means a little bit more than something else. But sleep is one of those pillars of health. And if you're not getting it, sure, short term, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to really impact you too much. But if you're in like constant sleep debt, it's like a bad credit card debt. Like it just builds up and it builds up and it (laughs) builds up and it never really goes away. And I'm probably saying that to to you right now and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm really lucky in sleep. And for mums, it's not something that you really have much control over, but if you don't don't have children and you do have a bit of control over it, it's something that is so critically important long-term to your health journey and particularly around your gut health as well. It's actually something that I have always prioritized. Like I'm just someone that has to have, and all my listeners will be like, oh, I've heard this before, but honestly, like I have to have seven to like eight hours at least sleep to be fully functioning at my best. And it was probably the thing that caused me the most anxiety about having a baby. I was like, but wait, how am I going to get sleep? And when I was, when I'd literally, so going into labor with Georgia, it was like four days. So my contractions were all overnight. So I basically from a Tuesday night until I didn't have her till a Friday morning was having contractions all through the night. So I basically didn't sleep for those like four days. And I remember when, like I was back in the hospital bed and they gave me, and they were trying to teach me how to breastfeed. And they said to me, okay, now you've got to feed every three hours. And like, this is 11 o'clock on the Saturday night at this stage. And I just looked at the nurse and was like, what do you mean every three hours? Like, I haven't slept for four days. I need to catch up on my sleep. And she's like, um, yeah, that might happen like in 20 years. And I was like, oh my God, like I just could not get over like, how am I possibly ever going to feel human again if I can't get my sleep back? But I just, yeah, like I agree with that so much. And especially what you're saying about it being a badge of honor. Like I think people really Mm. do like, you know, sit at their desk till 2am or like study all night, do an all nighter. And it's like, you were just so not one bit productive in those hours. Like there's a reason why we have an eight hour working day. Like if you can't get it done in that time, your workload's probably too big or you're putting too much on your plate. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Or you're procrastinating too much and spending too much time on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, but yeah, sleep is definitely a really common trend with the um, guests on this show. They all emphasize the importance of it. And I know even just some of the, you know, most successful people in the world talk about how sleep, they get eight hours sleep a night. So I don't know why as a society, we have all of a sudden thought it's this bad thing to do or it's not cool to get sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I, yeah. If I get eight hours sleep, I'm just like the happiest person in the entire world. <laughs> Same. I'm with you. I'm with you. I would, could go an eight hour sleep right now, actually. <laughs> You're like all I want for and, Christmas is eight hours sleep. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. Um, and so do you have a third, I guess, building block? I'd love to hear kind of your, your third pillar. I would say it would probably have to be stress. Like I think people underestimate how even stress they get throughout the day. Like people, when I used to work at the hospital, would come into my clinic, particularly when I was working in the field of gut health, and they'd come in and I could see how tense they were and they'd sit down and they'd just like start rambling and I couldn't even inject a word. And sometimes 15, 20 minutes later, I'm like, okay, take a breath, 
relax. I'm here. <laughs> You're okay. This is what we're going to do. And you could literally just physically see their shoulders mm. drop and then just take a breath. And they're like, I never even realized that I was stressed or I was keeping it all inside or, you know, just even asking someone like, are you okay? Or, you know, have you had lunch today or something like that? Like people don't realize how they're just running at this constant low level of stress. Like I think we realize Mm. when we're highly stressed and we're highly emotional. But again, I think in 2019, we live in this age of technology and instant gratification and everything like that. Like everything happens instantly, but because we have to get things done so much faster and there's all this pressure and all these extra jobs and blah, 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 blah. You know, we're expected to be, have the perfect relationships, perfect jobs, perfect, you know, children, everything like that, that we just live in this world of constant stress and we don't even really realize it. And that as well is something that can impact us hugely. And for a lot of people, you know, most people are either one of two ways, they're stress eaters or they don't eat at all when they're stressed. And both of those things are equally as negative for the body in terms of your health journey as well, like not eating anything for days or just constantly eating everything for days. So I think even just learning to do some strategies to manage your stress and even just asking yourself every day like do I feel stressed can this wait Um, is there somebody I can ask for help doing a little bit of journaling meditating that sort of thing can just be so so helpful and if you find that you're someone who gets home and you're a big stress eater after work like you plunk yourself down on the couch it's been a really bad day you're straight into the pantry maybe just taking 10 minutes after work to do some deep breathing or do a bit of journaling or even just before you leave work like just sort of turning off the computer and saying all right now I'm leaving work I'm leaving everything at work I'm not going to take anything home with me and doing a bit of like deep breathing or meditating before you even get home to your family as well so you can be fully present with them because again in this world of technology work follows us you know I used to answer emails at 1am I do not allow myself to do that anymore (laughs) it's not a great idea but a lot of people work (laughs) follows them all of the time all around the continent at any 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 hour so I think even just this really low level of stress so many people put themselves under is another um, I guess pillar of health that you should be really really conscious about we'll be right back after this healthy break I often get asked if there is a common trend between the podcast guests. And if you're a regular listener, I'm sure that you'll agree that majority of the show's guests emphasize the importance of sleep, which is why I am so excited to have partnered with Calming Blankets, a weighted blanket that uses the deep touch pressure technique, which has been used by therapists for quite some time now to improve sleep, reduce stress and calm the mind. Containing thousands of evenly distributed glass beads which create a weighted effect, the calming blanket gives the brain signals to relax and unwind so that you can enjoy a good night's sleep every night. Get your hands on a calming blanket by heading to calmingblankets.com and using the code HEALTHYHUSTLERS at the checkout for $115 off your purchase. That's calmingblankets.com and use a code HEALTHYHUSTLERS at the checkout for $115 off your purchase. Invest in your sleep now, guys, because a happy mind makes a happy life. Everyone's so 
contactable now and we can work from anywhere around the world that we do find it hard to switch off. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. people are like, oh, well, I'm not that stressed at the moment or I'm not that busy. But like you said, they're not even taking those moments to have mindful moments throughout the day to really check in with themselves to see how they actually are feeling or if they are quite stressed. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're drinking your coffee in the run or you're, you know, shoving down your lunch while you're, answer, you know, replying to emails at your desk, that's probably a good indication that you haven't, you know, taken enough time throughout the day to be a little bit more mindful or to manage your stress levels or anything like that. Like just blocking out 10 minutes to yourself to enjoy your coffee or 20, 30 minutes for your lunch break is something that is so important. But people, again, just say, no, I'm just going to work through it. Like I'm going to hustle and grind. Like it's a good thing. Like we wear that like a badge of honor, but it's not like enjoy your food, chew your food properly. It's so important for your digestion, for your gut health. (laughs) I know. And it's so, how crazy is it that all of these things that fall into our health are such simple things, but Mm. in this frantic lifestyle, all this world that we live in, we forget about the most simple and basic things in our life to just check in with ourselves and see how we're feeling. So yeah, I think that's just why I resonate with your work so much and your message is because you're giving that to such a wider audience to just be like, hey guys, this is can actually be quite simple. Like let's strip it right back. So I do really want to touch on though, you know, some other facets in our life that we might not necessarily associate with health, but I truly believe are all connected to our to our health. And that's, you know, going into our relationships and our environments and our routines. How can these sort of things have an impact on our overall health? Yeah, well, your tribe is is super important. Like the people that you surround yourself with, you know, humans are social beings. We want to we want to fit in. We want to be part of the group, part of the tribe. And so a really good example I normally say is um who you hang out with, your peers, your family, your social influences can influence your health journey as well. So I look, I generally talk to my coaching clients, like if you're going to go out and you're going to have a meal, be that person to make that great decision around your health. Because the person that generally orders first, most people you'll find will follow suit. So if you go out to dinner with a group of girlfriends and someone says, oh, where should we go? And one person says, oh, let's go get pizza. And everyone goes, yeah, let's get pizza. Or alternatively, another example, if someone goes, oh, let's, you know, I'm really working to nourish my body today. Let's go to this great new salad bar I found. Then everyone else would go, yeah, let's go to this salad bar. Like nine times out of 10 people, it's almost like follow the leader. So if you take charge in your social situation, the majority of the time people will follow you. Sure. People might not want to. You might say, let's go to this great new salad bar. And someone else says, no, let's get pizza. You're like, okay, that's fine. But nine times out of 10, I find, particularly with my own social circles and my coaching clients, if you make that really proactive health conscious decision, most people follow suit. And even if you're at an Italian restaurant and everyone's getting pizza, you might say, all right, I'm not actually ladies, I'm not going to have entrees. Everyone else is welcome to get entrees and pizza, that sort of thing. I'm going to order a pizza, but an extra side salad as well. Nine times out of 10, everyone else will follow suit with you. So the people that you surround yourself with are super, super important, but also being assertive in different situations and being that leader of the tribe can be really helpful for your health journey as well. So if you find that you're someone who, you know, you've got friends and family who constantly self-sabotage you, they say, oh, go on, have a little bit, or, you know, we're all going out to eat here and you don't want to be the odd one out. That's okay. But try taking charge of the situation. You might find yourself at an ice cream shop and you might say, oh my God, I love ice cream. It's great. Like who doesn't, but you might say, I'm going to get just a kid size scoop because 
because I, I, I'm not that hungry or something. And you'll, you know, you'll find that someone else who may have got two scoops usually will actually follow suit and order just a kid size scoop as well. So it's so important. I think it's the concept of modeling basically. So you can actually be that leader. And if you find that you're surrounded by people who maybe don't particularly have a health focus within their own journey, you can actually positively influence them as well by being a bit of a leader in your tribe and in your circle as well. That is such incredible advice. And it it triggered my thoughts on something I've always, you know, with my mum, I'm always like, oh, you should be eating this or you should be eating that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, obviously that just turns into a bit of an argument and she's like, let me eat what I want. So now I've really taken the approach of trying to lead by example rather Mm -hmm. than tell my family what to eat. And it's really funny the impact that it actually has instead of me being like, oh, you should be having this for breakfast or you should try eating, you know, more organic, whatever. I just think, you know, when mum's here, I'd be like, oh, I'm making really delicious smoothie. Do you want one? And then she'd be like, oh, yeah, okay. I haven't had breakfast. And so she'd have one. And then, oh, what's in that? Oh, that's really nice, isn't it? And so now she's having these, you know, really nice, beautiful berry smoothies every morning. And it's something, yeah, for me that I'm really finding is working really well. He's just leading by that example. So I absolutely love that you touch on that. That's such good advice. And I think too, we can get quite overwhelmed when we're going to be out of our natural environment say that's, you know, we are really into healthy cooking at home. But as soon as we're taken out of that routine and it's we're going to someone's birthday dinner that night, it can become a really overwhelming feeling of like, oh, you know, I'm almost scared to go out for dinner because like I'm going to have to eat bad food and then I'm going to feel bad about myself. So yeah, I really love that you touch on that. And that also brings me back to my concept of 10% better. Like if you find yourself in a situation like a a buffet or something and you think, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose control. Like I haven't had a buffet in so long. Like I'm really worried what's going on. Just aim for that 10% better. Like what would you normally do at a buffet if you would stuff yourself silly and end up walking out feeling almost unwell because you've eaten so much? Aim to just put a little bit less on your plate or aim to put a little bit extra salad or veggie or a little bit more fiber and bulk on your plate or aim to chew your food slower because it takes a little bit of time for your tummy, for your brain to recognize that your tummy's full. Just if whatever environment or or social situation you find yourself in, just aim to do 10% better than you normally would. And the thing about that is that it generally starts some momentum as well. Like other people around you might follow suit. And that one little choice where you might make where you go, you know, everyone orders a round of drinks and you think, you know what, I don't really feel like alcohol today. And so you say, no, thanks. I'm just going to have some sparkling water instead. And then that's that 10% better choice that you make. And that might start that momentum going where you you then go, okay, instead of eating a whole pizza, does anyone want to share a pizza? We can go half a pizza, half a salad each. And then you've got 20% better. And then instead of having a whole dessert to yourself, you might say, hey, I'm not really feeling that hungry. Does anyone want to share dessert? And then that's sort of 30 or 40% better. So the good thing about 10% better is you pretty much can never fail because everybody (laughs) can give 10% in any situation. And most people always give more than 10% because it just starts that momentum going. You gain a little bit of confidence in yourself rather than saying, oh my God, I'm such a failure. I totally blew it. You know, I'm going to throw in the towel. It's like, you know what? I did just a little bit better than I normally would. Go me. And you actually end up propping yourself up and giving yourself a pat on the back, which is so much nicer than giving yourself a kick up the ass, which is what most people do all of the time because we're just so hard on ourselves and we try to aim for that perfection, which just doesn't exist. And doesn't it make the journey so much more fun and exciting because you're rewarding yourself, you know, you're going, well done, you did that. Like, I feel really good about myself. So it's almost like you're encouraging yourself to do the next best thing and the next best thing. And it just is this amazing flow and effect. 
Exactly. And 10% better at the start of your journey is going to be very different to 10% better in a year's time or in five years time as well. So it's just like this snowball effect where you can't possibly go wrong. (laughs) That's why I love it so much. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm exactly with you. I'm just like vibing everything that you're saying. Seriously, (laughs) it's so good. So I do want to touch a little bit on then routines and how Mm -hmm. routines can kind of have an impact on our life. I know Mm -hmm. before having Georgia, I was really focused on trying to inject some like a really positive morning routine. It's a little bit harder now, um, but my days are all over the place. So I'm okay with that. So I stayed really strong to a good nighttime routine, but I personally know that, yeah, routines have been a really powerful tool to setting up success. So I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on that. Yeah, 100%. I do believe that, you know, something as simple as a morning and a night routine can be so important because a lot of the time people always say to me like, oh, how do you find the motivation to eat healthy? Where does your motivation come from? I'm like, it's not motivation. It's routine and it's habit. And that's the thing. Like I've just ingrained all of these things into my lifestyle. So even when I'm tired, I'll add some extra veggies to my dinner. Even when I go out for pizza, I'll stop eating when I'm full. Even if I go to the gym, I might not give 100%, but at least I made it there. Like that's just ingrained in me. It's just something that I do now because I've started it as a routine and as a habit for myself. And I've just continued to build on it time and time again. And I think that's where motivation, you know, motivation only lasts so long. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is that a healthy lifestyle long-term isn't about motivation. It's about routines. And those routines don't have to be completely rigid. There is flexibility there, but it's just, yeah, you threw in the towel one day and you're like, oh, I'm too tired to go to the gym. Oh, I just want, you know, Uber Eats or whatever. That's okay. But just don't let that routine completely go off the rails. Always just aim for that 10% better. Even within your routine, you can hit the alarm and hit snooze and just go, oh, I'm not going to make it to the gym tomorrow. That's okay. But don't just let that continue on and continue on and continue on. Let that routine happen, you know, a couple of times each week or set a really achievable goal around whatever your routine is going to be. It might be your routine is going to, you know, get into a really great habit of drinking water. You've got to set a goal for that, that is achievable and realistic. You know, it can't be, you know, if you drink two liters of Coke a day and no water at all, you can't just go, I'm going to drink no Coke and drink two liters of water because it's such a dramatic and drastic change that, okay, some people may be able to do it, but the majority of people, they're going to fail and go back to their old habits. You've got to change things slowly, slowly. And it comes back to setting those smart goals, which I'm sure someone on your podcast has probably talked about before, but really having goals that are, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, and actually realistic. But if they're not measurable, how do you know that you've achieved them? And like, there's a lot of people, like my goal each week, again, 10% better is to hit the gym once a week. I normally go to the gym four or five times a week, but I just do it once a week. And that is my routine. And then I aim for eight hours sleep just once a week. And that's my routine. And then I generally will do that, you know, four, five, six times a week. And so I'm just like, yes, I had an awesome week. And so it's like, for me, those routines are enforced in my behavior because it's like that positive feedback loop. Like I do more and more of it. It makes me feel better and better. And I pat myself on the back and I want to keep going rather than saying, all right, my routine this week is going to be perfect. I'm going to get six gym sessions in. I'm going to eat really clean and healthy six days a week. And I'm going to get eight hours sleep six days a week. And you do it five and then you're beating yourself up because you didn't quite achieve your goal. So make sure when you're setting your goal, it's measurable. So did I achieve it? Did I not? And then it's also realistic. Like is six days a week actually going to be realistic for your lifestyle, particularly if you have a new baby be like yourself, or if you have a super busy job or you're, I don't know, moving houses or something like that, like just setting a goal for one day a week doesn't mean that you're a failure. 
but no. you'll achieve yeah. it one day and you'll get that momentum going and you'll actually physically want to do it more because you're like, well, if anyone's a bit like me, I'm kind of a perfectionist overachiever. It's like, well, I did one day. I can do two. I can do three. Yeah, exactly. And even if I <laughs> so don't, even true. if I just do one, I'm like, I still did it. I still made it. Like, go me. Like, it's amazing. And it's so much better actually patting yourself on the back than, you know, giving yourself a kick up the butt because it's such a nice feeling to actually achieve something and feel great about something rather than being like, oh, I failed again. Yes. And I think it's so rewarding because you end up doing it twice that week or sometimes you'll do it three times. And that obsession with feeling good becomes so addictive. Like you realize how good you feel and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you want to keep doing it again and again and again. And and by then it's a habit and it's a routine and it's part of your lifestyle and it's a non-negotiable. So yeah, I think routine is super, super important. But before we finish up this amazing chat, I did want to talk a little bit about why it's important, I guess, to focus on our own health journey rather than jumping on the bandwagon of the latest trends that we see on Instagram. So, you know, obviously there's social media influencers all over the world that are always doing different diets and and trends. And I think it can get quite consuming for people to think like, I need to be doing that to look that way or to feel that way. But, you know, the scary thing is we don't actually know what's going on in that person's life behind the scenes. So I'd love to kind of get your insight into why it is important to just stay in our own lane, I guess, and keep focusing on ourselves rather than everyone else on Instagram. That comparison syndrome is so apparent on something like social media, isn't it? And we just want to do what the other person is doing because we want their life, but we forget that social media is like a highlight reel. It's like your photo book. You only put your best photos up and you only show your best life. You don't see the hard times. You don't see the struggle that people went through to get there. You see the before and after, but you don't see all that hard time in between. And what people forget when they see this diet or this new program or this, you know, next weight loss or detox challenge is they forget about personalized nutrition. And I'm going to give you the perfect example. So I am six foot tall. I'm 180, 184 centimeters, I think. How tall are you? Well, that's really 163. So you're a lot taller than me. And then my background is my dad's um, Australian and my mum's Malaysian. So what's your background? All Australian. Yeah. And at the moment, I'm probably sleeping eight hours a night. How much sleep are you getting a night? Oh, probably six max. (laughs) Uh At the moment, my training's pretty good at the moment. I've had a little bit extra time. So I'm probably hitting the gym six days a week. What about you? Oh, I'm doing Pilates once a week and walking most days, but not always very fast paced. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then what if we were both to download the same nutrition program from online? Can you see how that just would not work? And that's what I think so many people forget about. Like people message me and they say, Hey Leanne, like how, how much do you weigh? What do you eat in a day? And there's a reason that I never, ever put, if I do like a, you know, these are the meals I eat in a day. I never put the calories on there. I never say, you know, this is my breakfast. It's this many calories, or this is what I ate for lunch. It's this many calories. People don't need to know that you need to know what to eat to nourish and fuel your own body. And even that, it's not, you shouldn't be eating the exact same thing every day because one day you might be crazy busy and run off your feet, then you might hit the gym or you might, you know, go on this massive hike on holidays. And another day you might be sick as a dog in bed. You didn't move out of bed all day. So your body actually has different requirements every day. And so many people say to me, you know, I track on my fitness pal. I do this. I eat X calories, but I'm not losing any weight. What am I doing wrong? It's like, well, for starters, you're putting your calories into a piece of technology and that technology doesn't know you. It doesn't know your genetics. It doesn't know your background. It doesn't know when you've got PMS and you've got cravings and when you've had a bad day and you've overeaten. It doesn't know all of these things, but also 
what you're doing day in and day out is the same. Like you can't do the same thing every day as well. And what worked for your best friend or your neighbor or the girl on Instagram doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Like I've met so many people who just follow fad diets and they waste all of this money. And it's like, why don't you just find that approach that works for you and start with 10% better, whatever you're doing, whatever type of exercise you like, keep doing it. Because otherwise, if you start something that you don't like, like if you hate running and you think that running is going to make you lose weight and you start, it's never going to last long term because you're going to quit it eventually. Or if you love bread and you decide that you want to do gluten-free because it's trendy and you actually, you know, you don't have celiac disease, you don't actually need to do it. There's going to be a time where you crack and you eat bread or you eat pizza or something like that because it's something that you truly love. So, so many people just want to do what everybody else did because it worked for them. But what actually worked for them wasn't the diet. It wasn't the exercise regime. It was because they figured out what suited them and their lifestyle. So that's what people need to do. And it just starts with 10% better. And if you just made whatever you're doing right now to this day, 10% better. And for the majority of people, it's just starting with more fresh fruit and vegetables, which will crowd out some of that overly processed food and eating out too much, that sort of thing. And you just keep building on it and building on it and building on it and building on it. And you change your baseline and you end up up here. Might take you months, might take you years, but you created your own healthy lifestyle plan for yourself rather than downloading something generic offline or doing what the lady at work did or your neighbor or your best friend or all that sort of thing, because what works for them won't necessarily work for you. We're completely different people. And I think a lot of people just forget that and they just want to fast track their results because that other person looked fabulous. And, you know, why isn't this working for me? So I guess the benefit of personalization, people just really don't realize it. And say, same thing, like just linking in with a professional, like if you're struggling in your health journey, if you can't achieve the goals that you want, it's like, if there was something wrong with your tooth, you'd go and you'd see a dentist. If your car broke down, you'd go and you'd pay a mechanic. But people Google about nutrition. They want to get free advice online. They won't invest in their health. Like your health is an investment. So remember that going into 2020, but don't invest in a fad diet. Don't invest in a six-week detox or a gym challenge. Invest in yourself, some personalized nutrition, and set some specific, measurable, achievable goals that you can tick off at the end of the day and feel really good about yourself. That will motivate you to keep going and set new goals and new goals and new goals. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important to be surrounding yourself with the right people and experts in the space. I know when I was pregnant, I went to see a nutritionist throughout my whole pregnancy, even though I knew that you know, I was eating really healthy and all of that. But I think it's so important to keep empowering us and to make the right choices. And I know you do coaching online as well. So if anyone is mm-hmm. interested, that is something they can hit you up on. But there was a reason I wanted you to be the last <laughs> guest of 2019. And everything you have said is exactly why you have been the last guest, because I know so many listeners will be listening to this over their Christmas break and they'll be setting their news resolutions and wanting to, you know, have that health kick or stuff start the year fresh. And I think you were just the perfect example and the perfect guest to put people in the right headspace to enter 2020 and have the best possible year ever. So thank you so much for all your knowledge and wisdom. Um, I just love everything you're about and yeah, thank you. Oh, well, I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me on. And just 
I don't know when people will be listening to this podcast, but just remember that you don't have to wait to the 1st of January to change your life. On Christmas Day, you can add a couple more veggies. Like if there's Mm -hmm. a whole table full of desserts, just eat that one dessert that you absolutely love. You don't have to stuff yourself with absolutely everything on that table. Balance and health can start today. And I think that people, particularly females, we wait for the perfect time. You know, we wait till we come back from holidays or it's Monday so we can start afresh. But it's like, no, just aim for 10%. Like start today, start right now now start Mm -hmm. on Christmas day like set yourself a challenge you don't have to eat completely healthy and completely clean and go smash the gym on Christmas day but just aim for 10% better add a couple more veggies to your plate than you would normally or you know bring a nice big um garden salad to Christmas day lunch or something like that like you don't have to wait until the first of January your health won't wait for you so why not start today (laughs) and you're going to feel so much better for it as well Yes, definitely. And I know that's something that really resonated um, with my husband, Ryan, when you spoke at the Brisbane event was he loved that you touched on like, we always start a diet on a Monday. Like, why can't we just start a diet on a Wednesday? (laughs) He talks about that a lot. He's just like, oh my goodness, I loved that so much because it's so true. It's like, oh, you would always like eat as much bad food as you could on a Sunday so that you can start fresh on a Monday. And it's like, why do we do that to ourselves? Like, let's just try and feel better every day. So exactly. um, Or we eat down the whole pantry so that we can start the diet and there's no food left in the pantry and it's like well then you just have to go shopping again and start the temptation like that bag of chips can stay in your pantry for more than two days like that's okay Definitely. it's just people get into that restrictive mindset where they think they can't have anything but again yep. if you just save for 10 percent better if you would normally eat the whole bag of chips maybe just have half and that's yeah. better you didn't fail you're still better it's still progress people just people just forget that it's so true so if anyone is listening to this before the first of january please take this advice and start your health journey today. Just a couple more veggies a day. We're going to bring exactly. that statistic down. 96% of people not eating vegetables is appalling. I, I can't, know that can't is, tell. It is honestly like blows my mind. I cannot believe it at all. But Leanne, yeah. where can the listeners find you if they are wanting to get in touch? Yes. So I am on social media as The Fitness Dietitian. Um, you can search for Leanne Ward or The Fitness Dietitian. My website is um, www.leanneward.com.au and my podcast is Leanne Ward Nutrition if you'd like um, evidence-based experts to listen to. On my podcast, I chat about uh, weight loss, emotional eating and gut health. They're my three sort of expert areas. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. have absolutely loved chatting to you and I can't wait to see you again soon. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.